Last time when I gave a talk, I gave you some homework. When I ring a bell, uh, I ask you whether you are hearing sound or you are hearing a bell. Have you already figured it out? <laughs> I ring the bell. So, what do you think? <laughs> uh, most of us, when we ring a bell, we say, oh, the bell is ringing. I, I hear a bell. But actually, what you're hearing is sound, and you're thinking of a bell. You can bring awareness to both, <laughs> but it's not good to um, mistake one for the other. We have six senses, and each sense has a responsibility. The ears, its responsibility is to hear, and the mind, its responsibility is to think. So, if I take this belt, people who have never seen a bell, they will just not say, uh, they, don't, they don't know, they will just hear sound. They cannot, hear, they, they cannot say that I'm hearing a bell, because they don't know what it is. So, six senses, not five that you learned in biology, there are six according to the Buddha, the mind is included. It's interesting, the Buddha said that I'm going to teach you the all. Everything what, that we experience in meditation, it goes through this, our six senses. Even in their life, you can go to the moon, you can go to Uganda, you can go to uh, Antarctica, but when I ask you, uh, how was it? You are going to explain, explain to me based on their six senses. It's our world. It's our world. The eye, visible objects. Then you have nose uh, and odors. Then uh, tongue and flavors. Body, tangible, uh, uh, tangible objects. Ears and sound. Mind and mind objects. All our experience can be tracked there. I like the knowledge of a train station. It's just like the mind. So all trains go and always come back to the central station. And then continue on and come back. So the mind is like a processor. It processes the rest of the things. Apart from its main function of thinking. So I'd like to give you a guided meditation on these six senses. Sometimes we call them sense spheres which includes internal uh, organs and its uh, corresponding, uh, corresponding external bases. Internal will be the eye sensitivity, and then exter external will be the visible object. So here the Buddha is giving us specific instruction. When we see something, we become aware of seeing. We become aware of the eye, and the visible object or the forms and the fetters that arises dependent on them. Fetters is a, such a huge subject 
uh, to be talked about in guided meditation. But I'll introduce some of them that are very clear. Fetus is like a mental defilements uh, that are deep-rooted more than hindrances. Yes, just like we don't see them, just like a tree. We don't see the roots, but they are there. So fetters are 10 of them, and that's what those fetters tie us or tether us to samsara, the world of birth and death. One of them is craving. You will, uh, of course, you can say craving is greed also. Ignorance is one of them. Conceit is one of them. Uh, identity view is a self that's seeing everything. So these are the things uh, you're going to see when you practice meditation here. So sit comfortably, feel at ease. Abide in the present moment. See you can see if you can bring your awareness to your primary object, whether it's breathing in and out, rising and forward abdomen. And that's your home where you can stay. You can now bring your awareness to the body sitting here, the body, the whole body. That's the internal base, the body. But the external base is where the body is sitting, on a chair, on a cushion. And what arises when these both of them coming together is touching, we can say, touching consciousness. We can say body consciousness, awareness of the body sitting here so you can be aware of sitting sitting or touching points where the body is touching so this mindfulness is very important because if we don't become mindful of those areas then it's easy to get some kind of mental defilements. When it comes to the body, we can get attached to our body. And for there's also a, another defector can arise, identity, self-identity view that 
it is a self sitting here, receiving all this information. Also, if we are not mindful, then our lust or desire for the cushions, the soft one, the, the external object, there can arise a fetter, dependent on the two. The body, internal, and then the cushion, external. Another factor can arise also there in another form is body consciousness. As you sit here, you start craving for sitting on a soft place. So the objects themselves, they don't have these fetters, and the organ itself, it doesn't have a fetter, but dependent on both. That's when the fate arises. This is the instruction the Buddha gave in the fourth foundation of mindfulness. This is the fourth foundation of mindfulness. Mindfulness of mind objects or dhammas with a small d. The Buddha gave the instruction to Bahia. He said that in a seeing, there's only the seeing. In hearing, there's only the heard. In the sensing, there's only the sensed, which really covers testing, touching, etc. And the cognizing, there's only the cognized. These instructions are very precise but it draws our attention to what happens when you are seeing. Is there only, is, when you are mindful, can you just become aware of seeing without adding on? Last time I talked about multiplying on and on. I mean by and by. So you multiply by your thoughts. After seeing something, you start off multiplying. I like it, I don't like it, or I don't know. Those are multiplying something, multiplying by something, by your prejudices, your biases. These biases the Buddha uh, talks about anusayas. Anu means along, saya comes from the verb sayati, means sleeping. So sleeping along. Another fancy was saying latent, latent tendencies. But I like the Pali word when you break it down. Dormant states of mind. Desire. I like this if it's pleasant. I don't like it if it's unpleasant. If it's neither pleasant or unpleasant, then we don't know. So those are underlying tendencies that come into play when we're not mindful and then we come in contact with these with objects. 
we contact these objects with our sense organs, then we start sorting out things in certain kind of pigeon boxes. When you see something, well, you are closing your eyes, you can't see anything. So let's talk about thinking. So as you are, th you are sitting here, you have the mind, chitta, mind, heart, and then there are also uh, ideas, ideas. Lesser mind objects. So the coming of the two is thinking. You start to think, and then you start again sorting out things after that. After that contact, then feeling, perception, then thinking. So as you think, you start to say, I don't like to think that way. Or I like to think this way, but most of the time we like to think this way. And then there's desire, greed, and that's the feta that arises. So the Buddha here is inviting us to be aware of that feta. Normally it arises because of unwise attention. We're not paying attention wisely to what's arising in the present moment. We get carried away by the marks, futures, signs. Sometimes also we don't have enough mindfulness. Then we keep on going in other directions. Whereby we think that I'm the one who is thinking. Of course, on one level you are the one. But when you look at things with mindfulness and understanding, you see that it's just a process. Seeing is a process. It's dependently arising, depending on other factors such as eye sensitivity, thinking can also depends on the mind and mind objects and the rising of the two. For seeing can arise because of eye sensitivity and uh, visible objects then there's seeing consciousness arising. But also there should be light also. That's also a condition. Because when you're in darkness, you can't see. So it depends on other factors. So it's not you seeing, I am seeing. You can talk about it. But with mindfulness, we see that it's just seeing. It's a process. Depending on other conditions. It's just thinking. So that I am thinking, uh, in this tradition we call it 
a fetter of conceit, I, I, I. So we get to know that this I is coming into the equation, that is arising. Sometime myself, you think about myself, my eyes, these eyes are mine. All these are possible fetters to arise. Mine is a fetter which is craving. Buddha cautioned us that uh, uh, these five aggregates which we'll talk about is not yours. If it's yours, you could be able to control them. Eyes are not yours. Mind is not yours. If it's yours, you would be able to exercise control, but it's just a process. We can't control process, processes because they come due to cause and conditions. So the practice here is really very simple. Seeing, hearing, when sounds come, external sound, internal sound, without multiplying anything, without adding things like, I like it, I don't like it, I don't know about it, but understanding. The invitation is to understand. So in other words, you pay mindfulness effort to understand. My teacher used to give that complex word, but it really tells exactly what we should do. You pay mindful effort to understand what's going on. Seeing, hearing, Testing, touching, thinking, smelling. So as you sit here, what's very profound here is more the touching. As you touch, can you be aware of the touch points? And just be mindful of touching. Then what's happening to these touching sensations? Is there some warmth, coolness, or simply touching? That process now is not adding on or multiplying by, it's just understanding how this touching is experienced. How are you receiving this touching? pushing it away or indulging or ignoring it. With mindfulness attention, you can begin to understand these touch sensations. There's warmth, coolness. It's rising, it's passing away. There's pressure, there's tightness. Is it pleasant or unpleasant? 
Still, you can be mindful of those feelings. This is how it feels without adding anything, without craving for more touching. I think most people crave touching. They always want to touch others, to get touches from others. This is our tendency to like and dislike. So we can be aware of our emotions also. The second level of instruction the Buddha is giving us is a bit involved. The Buddha is here inviting us to be aware how the fate arises. Let's say you will or greed, how it arises. When uh, it has not risen, uh, arisen, how does it arise? Uh, from the instruction I gave last time about five hindrances, also we can know. How a hindrance arise? Same thing. Paying anyone's attention to the theme or the future of attraction. When we pay anyone's attention to the mark of attraction, then fate arises. The greed, craving for more. Another invitation the Buddha gave is to know or to understand how it it's abandoned, how the fate is abandoned through mindfulness and was attention to the theme of non-attraction. And the last invitation the Buddha gives here in awareness of six senses is to know and understand where the abandoned fetal wind will not abandon will not arise in the future completely. We get to know that this uh, ill will or greed or craving as a fetter that it won't arise in the future for good that requires a little bit of understanding about Buddhist teachings when the Buddha talks about various stages of enlightenment like for instance ill will and greed can be abandoned completely and also when you attain the third level of enlightenment before that you just have to follow instructions as the Buddha laid them down. So again, keep it simple and real. Just be aware. Be mindful at six senses. Seeing, hearing, touching, and so on. And if there is any mental defilement, which we call feta, like a sense of I, sense of mind, a will, aversion towards something, 
then you can always know how it's arising.
May we be able to meet our sixth sense experience with mindfulness, wisdom, and understanding. Thank you very much for your practice. This practice of six sense basis is very profound, very, very profound. And I hope we'll be able to give a Dhamma talk about it. Because the last instruction the Buddha is talking about requires some knowing about these fetters, the ten of them. Self-identity view, taking these five processes, the five aggregates of clinging, uh, to take them as a self and identify yourself with them. Second one is attachment rights and rituals. I don't think that's your problem, <laughs> especially that you're on a retreat like here. You're not attached to rights and rituals. Skeptical doubt. Skeptical doubt is a fetter, and I don't think you're a skeptic. There's a difference between skeptic, skeptical doubt and doubt. Doubt is a hindrance. You may experience that, but skeptical doubt is different. You don't believe in love karma. Don't believe in noble eightfold path. Don't. When you are skeptical or you have skeptical doubt, you don't even believe that mindfulness, for foundation of mindfulness, can lead to. <laughs> to wisdom, understanding, all this kind of thing, even to awakening. You don't believe in the fourfold effort, that when I, pry, I apply effort, I can gain concentration. You are not one of them, I, I hope so. Mm-hmm. And once you break all that, you attain what you call stream entry. That's the first level of awakening. Then there comes another fetter, which is greed and ill will. That's what I was trying to tell you. Please pay attention to uh, your meditation on six, uh, on six senses, because that can arise, especially when you go down on this big event called eating, and then you have food in front of you. <laughs> then that's the good time to watch out whether on the plate there's the food that you want to eat or the one which you don't want to eat. Pickles, I don't like pickles, actually. I know it's good. <laughs> I know the principle that not good for the mouth, good for health. I know that. But that can be, an, uh, for me, it was an exploration for me because in Uganda we don't eat pickles. <laughs> no, we don't. So when I came here, <laughs> 
up to now, especially when it's pickled cucumber, cucumber oh, I, start, I have to be mindful really about that. And I just have to <laughs> go through it until I get it. If it has arising, he will about cucumbers, pickled one. It's not a problem with the pickle, pickled cucumber. It's a problem with me. And I have to be really mindful to really make sure that I observe whether there's ill will and aversion towards it or not. Uh, that one you can attenuate it on the second level, but you don't uproot it. You can only uproot it when you attain the third level of enlightenment. And those are called the five lower fetters. And then we have five higher fetters. As we continue on practice, uh, you now a second level of enlightenment is called uh, 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 there is an anagami, there is sakadagami. Okay, there is non-returner, once returner. Then there is uh, the arahant, the fourth level uh, is called arahantship. Is uh, when you break all the five. That means craving for existence, uh, for craving for non-existence. I don't think that's also a problem. But uh, there's another factor which is very common, restlessness, and then conceit. Uh, I, I, I am. So that's also a factor we can note down when we practice. Uh, then uh, another one is, uh, the last one is called ignorance. It's the last one to go. <laughs> So the ignorance also, you can track it down during your sixth sense experience. As you're mindful of the sixth sense basis, are you ignoring something or not? So we may not cut it at the moment, uh, but we can chip it a little bit, slowly by slowly. Ignorance, we keep on removing a little bit of uh, ignorance from time to time, but really to overcome it completely is when you attain arahanship. Before we have to be mindful, a little bit of mindfulness here and there. So uh, that's what I told you. It's a little bit involved to explain all this, uh, but I had to lay it down in case we don't give a Dhamma talk about it so that you know what the Buddha was talking about, to know the fetters, and when you can overcome them completely and also. Of course, knowing it, the factors leading to the rising of them is easy, just pay wise attention. I mean, uh, when they arise, you know that, okay, you're paying unwise attention, and then to abandon them, you have to pay wise attention. So that is for now, so please, if you have any question, please ask. Yes. Yeah, please. When we're sitting and um, paying attention to the, the six senses and the fetters are arising, what is, how do we pay, what are we paying attention to that facilitates the stilling of those things? 
what uh let me get clear uh what what are we paying attention to what's stealing those kind of things like fetters and all these processes is that your question yeah is there sort of like an object to pay attention to that all of that kind of um arises around yes um the first instruction is to be mindful when you see something, you become aware of seeing, seeing. By that kind of awareness, you activate certain mind states. One of them is mindfulness, continuity of mindfulness. And when the mind is more continuous, then uh, concentration arises. So the mind becomes more concentrated because there's no gaps. Or you're closing the gaps for mental defilement that can that don't allow you to see. So with that continuity of uh, concentration, then there comes what they call wisdom, panya. Panya, the word panya, it has nya in it, but it has a pa there. Pa means details, and nya means seeing. So you are seeing in details. So with that combination of those three mental states, as you are becoming aware of seeing, Seeing. So those are the mind states that help you to see when there's a certain fetter that is arising. Because wisdom is to see in details. So as you are aware of uh, what the process of seeing, and sometimes we fall into the habits that we have in our day life of not liking something, and then we push it away of liking something, and then we reach out for it. We reach. We want to get it. And also something we don't know, we ignore. So we have those habits that comes in in our process of seeing and want to slot something in the pigeon box where it belongs. So, But with mindfulness, when you have these three, at least the three factors, there's others like effort uh, and all this. But I'm mentioning three. So as you are seeing something, you can now begin to note, ah, there are aversions coming. This is pickled cucumber. <laughs> I have to be careful of that. So then you really actually can watch it arising. You can really watch it. So the object then becomes the sense itself, that something is arising at the sixth sense door. Hmm? Yes. So with mindfulness at sixth sense door, we can see for ourselves where our mind is being pulled or being pushed. I like it, that, that leaning forward. You can see it in the kind of the body reaching up. I don't like it. I don't like it. So then, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you get confused, basically. So really, is, the practice is to keep it simple and profound. Seeing. Don't multiply anything. Like these preferences, here they don't work. <laughs> so just seeing. In fact, this instruction they gave to Bahia, he got enlightened. I didn't tell you during the garden meditation. <laughs> he really got enlightened. <laughs> because when you just stop at seeing, then you are not going into this like and don't like and dislike and all that. Even when they, they come, you can see it. You can see that's why our teacher is called Saido Pandita. Yeah, I don't know if you know him. He passed away. He would teach you just not, noting, seeing, seeing. 
You go there and say, you know, I saw and something or doing like this. <laughs> Those are stories about something you're seeing. So just stop at seeing. And then the mind states will work for you. to, un- to And that's the object of seeing. Okay, this is seeing. You pay attention to that object, let's say visible object. When you look at it, just see seeing. And then as you continue doing it, mind states have told you like uh, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom will take care of it. Just go, like um, I use Sharon's example. You go to the uh, uh, airport and you have many bags. You go to the lift and then you are so heavy lifting them and you put it in a lift. The lift will take care of that. <laughs> so once you are really in a lift, so once you, are in a, you activate mindfulness in a continuity way and then you are faced with an object, seeing, then once mindfulness there is a continuous concentration, it will take care of other things that are going to arise. Whether it's a fetter or hindrance, it's going to see it. I hope that helps. One more question. I have one minute. I hope you don't ask about fetters in one minute. <laughs> it's a lot to explain. Okay, please. Thirty seconds. <laughs> so sorry about that. No, yes, go ahead. So. I was wondering about um, if there's some like yogic special power in mild sleep deprivation, <laughs> because uh, your monks get up at three in the morning, and it's always a struggle for me to get up at five. Um, and the, sitting is restful, but I was just. I mean, we're trying to be fighting sloth and torpor, but if you're getting up at three, you're going to have sloth and torpor. Oh, actually, when you meditate uh, and wake up at three and meditate, actually, the more you meditate, uh, the less sleep you need. And also to reach a stage where all the five faculties are working, are in balance, especially effort and concentration is in balance, then you don't get a lot of sloth and torpor. It, it's possible, but it takes time to adjust. But when you adjust, then the faculties are balancing. The faculty, somebody maybe will talk about it, these five faculties, is energy and concentration will balance, and then you can sit without the sleepiness and all. But if it comes, then you use the tools that we have. You use the tools. I told you last time you can overcome sleepiness, when you attain the fourth level of enlightenment, we know if it arises as a monk, you deal with it. <laughs> we have the tools. Why worry? You just pick a tool and fix it. Work with it. Get some nuggets of wisdom. Don't make sleepiness a problem. Just so when sleepiness arises, just get some nuggets of wisdom through mindfulness, continue to mindfulness, concentration, wisdom. I hope that helps. Thank you very much. Okay, it's up to